The Truth News Network. On every continent, in every capital, at colleges, universities, wherever solid thinking stands against the tides of insanity, there is one voice, a beacon, a light in the murkiness of political swill. From TNN, the Truth News Network, comes that voice, Dan Newman. Political swill. I love that term. Thank you, Pete Moss, for the intro. Thank you for joining us today at TNN Live. It's hump day, Wednesday, headed for the weekend. One more day in May. That's today. Can you believe we're already just technically ahead of starting summer? OMG, I can't believe. It's like this year, the first half of it almost, has just flown by. Well, we're here, you and I. We're still here. We're still doing what we do. And at TNN Live, what that is, is finding the truth, bringing you the truth. In the midst of all the chaos, misinformation, misdirection, pontification, whatever you want to call it all, it's out there. But thankfully, we still have the ability to find the facts, to speak our minds in freedom, First Amendment thing. Oh, yeah, they're trying to abridge it. They are in certain places in certain ways every day. But the watchdogs of the First Amendment are making certain that they don't cross the line. So we've got a big show for you today. We obviously, at the top of this hour, we're going to talk about the debt ceiling increase, that bill that is before Congress today, the deal that was agreed upon by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Joe Biden, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have some more very sinister things to talk about. You know, everything's not always good. And the bad stuff, we need to talk about it. Two pro-life advocates were beaten outside of a Planned Parenthood location in Baltimore. We've got the details on that. And guess what this Justice Department has been revealed doing? They are targeting cash raised by those January 6 rioters. And the Biden administration is going after that money that was put together by supporters for these J6 jailed, in many cases, for months. These people that technically did break the law, many of them did. But they didn't do what justifies what's happening to them. And now the bail money, paying for attorneys, all that stuff that their friends and relatives put together to help them out, the Biden Justice Department is going after it. That shouldn't surprise us. It really shouldn't. And they just double and triple and quadruple down on stupid regarding prosecution of these J6 folks. Do you realize... Some of these men especially have been in jail in Washington for more than two years. No speedy trial. Forget about that promise from the Constitution. We are going to unpack that with a whole lot of other things today. Important things. But first, let's smile a little bit together. How about that? And look at our lives. Look at our circumstances. And I think we all in unison can shout this. It is so darn good to be alive. I'm glad, aren't you? 
to that and pat your foot there's something wrong with you but it gives a great message to all of us it's good to be alive right about now you consider the alternative which is assuming room temperature (laughs) you and i haven't done that yet so we we should feel blessed and thankful for where we are so how are we going to start the show today well besides that great song we want to talk about what is facing our nation's leaders right now in washington and that is the debt ceiling increase. So Republican and Democrat leaders in Congress, they both are claiming that this long-awaited deal to raise the nation's debt ceiling is a win for their side. That shouldn't surprise any of us. I mean, what do they do? Democrats claim victories when there are things that look like they're going to be victorious. They want to claim ownership. The GOP wants to do the same. So the House did pass the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023. It was unveiled on May 29th. Actually, that's not the original bill. But it ends a months-long disagreement between Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy over the terms to raise the borrowing limit of the nation. The deal, if it's passed, will suspend the country's $31.4 trillion debt limit through January 1st of 2025. So, after waiting for three months, maybe even longer than that, President Biden wouldn't even engage to discuss a debt limit raising deal with Kevin McCarthy after racing in the last hours to complete a compromise agreement, each side came out claiming victory. Here's what was said. The deal that the president is announcing today, we think, is a good one. That's White House officials saying that to reporters on the 29th. It protects the historic economic gains we've made, really allowing one of the strongest recoveries on record to continue by taking the threat of default off the table into 2025. And then McCarthy said, I believe this is an agreement in principle that's worthy of the American people. It is historic reductions in spending Consequential reforms that will lift people out of poverty and into the workforce and rein in government overreach. There are no new taxes, no new government programs. So why don't we just take a glance? I'm going to let you hear from some members of Congress and how they feel about it. Before we do that, let's take a peekaboo ourselves at what is included in this bill they're going to vote on. The U.S. nearly reached its statutory barring limit What was that number? $31.4 trillion. And we got to that in January. A political standoff ensued centered on how much, for how long, and under what terms Republicans would agree to give the Democrats and Joe Biden the ability to raise a debt ceiling so they could spend more. 
The starting offer from Republicans, a debt limit increase of $1.5 trillion. Or until the end of March 2024, whichever came first. That was included in the Limit Save Grow Act, which the Republican-controlled House passed back in April. Joe Biden wouldn't even touch it, wouldn't even talk about it, wouldn't take it up to even be considered over in the Senate. That bill also included spending cuts, other provisions that are aimed at reducing our government spending and stimulating the economy. Now, Democrats claim the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023 is a win for their own party in that it suspends the debt limit through January 1st of 2025. That delay any further wrangling over the issue until after the 2024 election. So any suspension of the debt ceiling is different from an increase as the agreement is limited by time, not the dollar amount of the U.S. debt. If this is passed under this provision, the Treasury Secretary can borrow as much as is necessary to pay interest on the national debt and carry out the spending initiatives approved by Congress. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were cutting spending in this deal. I got a problem with giving Joe Biden or anybody in the federal government a blank check and saying, you know what? If you want to do something that Congress already approved, go ahead and do it. Spend the money on that. While Republicans had asked for a short-term increase, their real objective was to reduce overall spending, which they achieved, apparently. And the new limit will be fixed at whatever the debt is when the term ends. So this measure merely puts off the next debt ceiling battle for about 19 months. Kick the can down the road. Maya McGinnis, president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, sees this plan as a win for everybody. This plan would be the first major deficit-reducing budget agreement in about a dozen years. will signal Washington that they're serious about making progress in addressing our mounting national debt. So what's in the bill? Well, <clears throat> it reduces non-defense discretionary spending in 2024 by about a billion dollars or about 0.2%. The amount will increase by only 1% the next year. After that, the bill stipulates spending targets, though they're not enforceable, spending caps. Not enforceable. Think about that for a second. If you can't enforce those spending caps, why the heck would you even put that on the table? I'm a consumer. I'm an American. I'm a voter. I'm just literally coming with this off the top of my head. So McCarthy claims... This is the largest spending cut in the nation's history. Boy, that sounds good, doesn't it? Democrats say they basically held the line on spending and refused cuts to social services demanded by the GOP. Any reduction in spending is magnified by inflation, which, by the way, in case you don't realize it, remains at just under 5%. That's according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, this doesn't appear to be a big win for Democrats. And the modest cuts achieved here could be the beginning of more significant spending reductions. That's what some of the analysts are saying. Read my lips. Look at me, Mr. Analyst. Read my lips. The Democrats are never going to reduce spending. Never, never, 
Never, never. House Speaker, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich said, I think they'll get to a deal. I think it'll be largely what the House Republicans want, and I think they'll then use that as the first step toward a balanced budget. And based on my conversation with the budget committee, they will report out a budget that is balanced within 10 years. This is Newt speaking. So a pretty big change, in some ways the biggest changes, since Reagan replaced Jimmy Carter. Republicans also promised, by the way, no decrease in military spending, which will increase slightly in 2024 under the terms of this agreement. However, non-defense veterans programs would be reduced back to the 2022 level. That's last year's spending level. Lindsey Graham, he's vowed to fight the bill in the Senate to gain a greater increase in military spending. But House Republicans had promised only that there would be no decrease in military spending in 2024. The deal, if it's passed as is, going to result in spending about a trillion dollars less than had been projected over 10 years. That's according to the White House. Put that in your peace pipe and smoke it. A decrease in deficit spending was a goal for both sides. I don't believe that. Joe Biden has never seen a dollar that he doesn't want to spend. That's not enough, according to Kevin Roberts, who's president of the Heritage Foundation. He sees this as a bad outcome for all of us American folks. At a time when Americans are struggling to balance their budgets as the cost of gas, groceries, childcare continue to rise, Republicans had a real chance to protect families and fight sky-high inflation and interest rates by cutting government spending, really cutting it. This bill will likely lead to increased overall spending levels next year, giving up on the $132 billion in real upfront cuts promised by Limit, Save, and Grow bill. So what about that IRS stuff? You know, all those 80-plus thousand agents that are going to be hired, they tell us to go after those evil billionaires that don't pay their taxes, you know, all 600 of them. We need 87,000 agents to go after those 600 people, right? Well, in this deal, the IRS loses $20 billion in funding in the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which is a partial win for the GOP. They'd hope to rescind all $80 billion allocated to the agency through the Inflation Reduction Act. President said, Funding's necessary. Got to have it so we can modernize an agency to go after wealthy tax cheats. Got to have $80 billion to go after tax cheats for 600 people. Hmm. Republicans feared the money would be used to create an army of auditors to harass ordinary Americans and small businesses. They settled, the GOB did for moving $10 billion a year for two years into other non-defense discretionary categories. The immediate effect on the IRS, it's unclear. Money was appropriated in one year, but meant to be spent over a decade. So it is possible that the IRS could opt to continue its short-term spending plan and make reductions in future years. 
So there's more stuff that's packed away in it. The age limit for work requirements attached to the SNAP program, that supplemental nutrition assistance, it's going to go up. This was a big point of contention during negotiations. Republicans saw the move as helping both individuals and the economy by helping people move out of welfare, go back to work. Democrats believed it would be another burden on people who were already having difficulty finding jobs that paid enough to support them. So, the compromise solution? Well, it requires able-bodied non-parents receiving supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits who are 50 to 54 years old to work for at least 20 hours a week. Previous age restriction was 49. This requirement will be phased in over three years. Veterans, homeless people, and those who are in foster care as children are exempted from that work requirement. The White House said the number of people receiving SNAP benefits should remain about the same, and no changes are to be made to Medicaid. Some changes were made to the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program. The White House said they were consistent with the president's principles and would maintain the state's abilities to continue to support vulnerable children and families. Sharon Parrott, who's president of the Center for Budget and Policy Priorities, she thinks the plan will leave people in need of food assistance worse off than before. There are a number of troubling elements, she said, including the provision that will put at risk food assistance for very low-income, older adults. This policy will increase hunger and poverty among that group, runs contrary to our nation's values, and should be rejected. So permitting and climate change, those are the big, big biggies for the Democrats. They got a process to permit everything. And of course, everything to do with climate change, it's good. Carbon emissions, bad. Climate change, good. Republicans want to revise this process for getting permits to drill for oil and natural gas. That provision was included in the deal, believe it or not. The bill creates a lead agency to manage the process, ensure it's completed in under two years. Some Democrats also favored this provision, by the way, so it's a partial win for both sides, as well as for the fossil fuel industry that Joe Biden personally kneecapped his first day as president. Republicans also hope to defund the Biden administration's climate initiatives by taking back funds from the Inflation Reduction Act passed last year. The White House said they were successful in resisting that. Ranking member of the House Natural Resources Committee called the permitting reform provisions of the bill misleadingly labeled. This includes, he said, several provisions to gut our bedrock environmental and public health protections, namely the National Environmental Policy Act, NEPA, N-E-P-A. Title III also mandates approval of the disastrous Mountain Valley Pipeline, which has already dangerously racked up hundreds of water quality violations. That was released in a statement yesterday. And by the way, there's about $30 billion, billion with a B, of unspent COVID relief money. It's just laying out there. Part of this bill is that $30 billion is going to be taken back from the states. 
That's another partial win for the Republicans. The amount is about half of what they had hoped for, and a portion of that money will be funneled back into other non-defense spending. Project NextGen, an initiative to reduce the next interaction of COVID vaccines and treatments, will not be affected. The bill includes an inducement for Congress to produce a timely 2024 budget. That ain't ever happened, and it ain't going to happen now. Congress is not going to spend any extra time to get a timely 2024 budget put together. It ain't going to happen. If Congress has not passed all 12 of the appropriations bills that are required to ratify a federal budget by the end of the fiscal year, it'll be reduced to below the 2023 level. That's an important incentive, one White House official said. There are a bunch of folks in Congress who won't want to see defense go below the 2023 level, like Senator Lindsey Graham and others. It's unclear which party might benefit from that provision, but it could have the effect of avoiding another big, long political battle this year. In the words of Bill Watterson, who's the creator of the Calvin and Hobbes comic, a good compromise leaves everybody mad. Probably the most upset by the Bipartisan Fiscal Responsibility Act or some members of the House Freedom Caucus who urged McCarthy to avoid compromise and stick with the full provisions of the Limit Save and Grow Act. Scott Perry, Republican from Pennsylvania, he said Speaker McCarthy had a mandate from the American people with a powerful negotiation position of a unified Republican Party to hold the line for the bill that was passed. Perry said the bipartisan deal negotiated by McCarthy totally fails to deliver. The Republican conference right now has been torn apart. We are working hard to try to put it back together again this weekend by making sure this bill gets stopped. That's Chip Roy. You hear him on our show all the time. He's a representative, a Republican from Texas. Their comments raised the possibility that McCarthy himself could suffer from the deal. Now, do you remember when he was named finally in that vote? I don't know how many it was, five, six, seven votes before he became speaker? They had to negotiate. He had to negotiate and give away some of the power under the existing plan that made him House Speaker. He can be called into question by any single member of the House making a motion to vacate the chair. In other words, kick him out of the House Speaker spot. McCarthy's said again and again that all negotiation involves give and take. He maintained he would insist on spending cuts with no increase in taxes, but that everything else is open for negotiations. Now, as I said, not everybody on the GOP side is excited about this bill, and we're told they're going to vote on it later today. Here's some of the folks that just ain't quite ready to take that vote. So let's go to uh, Matt Rosendahl. He is among those Republicans not keen on this. He represents the beautiful state of Montana with the Freedom Caucus as well. Congressman, you don't like this. Why not? 
No, there's too many, uh, too much spending in the bill, Neil. I mean, we're going to hear a bunch of technical language over the next few days about mandatory spending and non-defense uh, discretionary spending. But at the uh, end of the day, what the people of Montana care about, and quite frankly, the people across America, are we going to spend more money this year than we're go- the next year than we spent this year? So, uh, is, is the federal government going to spend more money next year? And quite frankly, this bill is going to do that. And, and everybody talks about compromise, Neil. We continually hear that. If we were going to have a compromise, then they should have taken the Limit, Save, and Grow Act that we sent over to the Senate 30 days ago, which had all these provisions built into it, and then the Senate could have amended that and sent it back to the House, and therein we would have had a compromise. But they didn't. The speaker went yeah. to the White House and they developed a whole new plan and they brought it back to us and it does not reduce spending. Now, um, of course, the speaker will argue just the opposite, that inflation adjusted terms, it is less next year than it is this year. Um, so he'll, he'll quibble with you on that. But are you disappointed in the speaker? I'm disappointed in this package. Again, we spent a lot of time, I spoke with you, we spent a lot of time developing a package that froze spending at the 22 levels. It clawed back the out-of-control Biden administration spending on the IRS agents and the student loan redistribution program and the $1.2 trillion of subsidies that were going to go to new Green Deal projects. I mean, we had taken a lot of time to do that. And we put a 1.5 debt ceiling increase, or March 31st, which would have given us the opportunity to develop the appropriations bills later on this year, and then see what kind of debt ceiling increase that we would need to go into next year. But to take all of that, gut it out, and then put a blank check in front of President Biden, which is going to be upwards of $4 trillion, that the, the American people are not gonna accept that. It is an insult to the American people. So, Congressman, with you, and you were among the first, there are six clear no votes among Republicans. Uh, Already the speaker's behind the eight ball because he couldn't afford to lose any more than four of you. Are any of those six that you know of, including yourself, sir, of the opinion that uh, the speaker has let you down, that, that you should question his authority to be speaker? All it takes is one of you to say you're no longer speaker. I think right now everyone is really, really focused on making sure that we address the debt ceiling in such a fashion that it uh, responsibly funds government. That's what we're focused on. That's what we've been focused on for the last three, four months. And that is primary goal. And again, we delivered a package to the Senate. And there's absolutely no reason that the Senate can't take that up. Well, that's As a matter not, of fact, that, I for think now, we that's gotta, not, For now, that's not happening, I guess. But you know this better than well, I. Well, we've got at, a backup you, plan. Uh, understood. But we've let me ask you this. Look, if this goes sorry. through and does pass, gets passed in the Senate, not the package that you want, but the package right now that you don't really want, um, Are you going to claim any retribution against the speaker? Neil, my focus is completely on responsibly funding government right now. That's where I want to be. Got it. Congressman, thank you for taking the time. We'll watch closely. Uh, Matt Rosendale of Montana uh, could be an integral player as uh, these days and weeks go forward. We don't have a lot of time. There's a bunch of people on the Republican side that don't like this bill. Inside sources told me early yesterday morning that there are a lot of Republicans that may have to vote on it, but going kicking and screaming 
because it's nothing like it was supposed to be. You can say what you want to about Joe Biden. You can talk about his cognitive disability, but he still is the consummate politician's. There were a lot of reasons why he refused to get together with Kevin McCarthy for more than three months to negotiate this thing. It's to the Democrats' advantage to wait till the end of this because they feel like once we get to the end of it, close to default, which we're told we are, I don't think we are, but that's my opinion. I don't think there's any way the government could default on our debt limit and it would simply be holding off on making some of the bond interest payments to treasury bondholders. I won't even go into that. My opinion is they waited as long as they possibly could. Why? They wanted to put Republicans in a crack, therefore getting more in the deal than they would have otherwise. If they had really sat down in January and started negotiating like Kevin McCarthy and other Republicans wanted to happen, There'd have been a lot of time there where they could have gone back and forth and back and forth. But in this case, McCarthy, his back's against the wall. Not Joe Biden. Simply because Joe Biden is president, he's just one, the head of one branch of government. The Republicans, let me put it in context. Do you know that they actually control only just above 50%? of one of three branches of government and the Democrats control the rest. That means they have more power. They know it. Democrats know it. The GOP knows it as well. But the American people, we don't hear that. We don't talk about that. It's like if you don't talk about it, it's not a problem. It's not there. Now, what I hate to think that we are facing going forward is that To get anything done in government each four-year period, we're going to have at least total control of two of the three houses of government. The three are U.S. Senate, U.S. House of Representatives, and the White House. They have them both, at least the House, excuse me, the White House and the Senate, and Republicans have a very slim majority in the House. And so... Democrats know how to work the system. That's what's going on right now. If any of this bill is voted into place, it will be a huge loss, no matter how they want to couch it, no matter how they want to sell it or try to sell it to us, the American people. It's going to be good for Democrats and bad for conservatives, Republican others in the United States. Mark my word, they're going to pass this thing. And going forward, every American is going to regret them doing it because the price to pay for it all, it's not there. They're going to have to come up with it. How do they come up with it? They borrow more money. And Kevin McCarthy's giving them the golden ticket in this bill so that they can just go do whatever they want to do, not what they need to do, not what they should do. Joe Biden is a money machine, and he's looking every day to try to find as much of your tax dollars he can get you to pay so that he can keep on spending. 
accountable to no one. As the sum of each generation before it, the next generation Corvette stands alone. As the new standard of precision and performance, of engineering and technology, of everything that makes an icon an icon, and a Corvette a Corvette. The world tells you to wait, that waiting is polite, and good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place. Take it. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. In work. In love. In life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power. Because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. TNN Live, Dan Newman here, here every day, Monday through Friday. And uh, it's Wednesday. Just some inside information. The show goes on the road tomorrow and Friday. We'll be broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Blade Show, the biggest knife show on the planet Earth every year happens in Atlanta. We'll be there and we will do our darndest. We've got a few special guests that we have spoken to. Now, there are some commitments to come on the show, but I don't know if they'll make it. But nevertheless, you're going to hear me. You're going to hear about the very latest of everything that's important to you. And maybe a little land yap in there. You know what land yap is? Land yap, L-A-G-N, let's see, land yap, L-A-G-N-A-N-C-E. Something like that. Land yap means extra. In other words, you go to the store and you buy a dozen donuts. In South Louisiana, they're going to give you 13. That 13th one is called land yap, something you get but you didn't pay for. Anyway, we're going to have a lot of goodies for you the next few days. By the way, if you want to join the show, chat, ask questions, insult, whatever you want, we'll pay for the phone call. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. In all numbers, that's 1-866-37-884. 1-866-378-7884. Anytime. We love your opinions. And we do get a lot of comments on stories that we publish. You can see all of those at truthnewsnet.org. 
the last couple of days, there have been some really, really good stories. We, we've uh, done a few of them ourselves in-house here at TNN Live, but we've also we've got a bevy of really good contributing writers that give us some very insightful, thought-provoking uh, stories that we publish here. So make sure you check it out every day. First thing, all our stories go live at 1.45 a.m. Central Time every morning at truthnewsnet.org. That's truthnewsnet.org. There's some other big news coming out of the House today that doesn't have anything to do with our debt limit increase. The House Oversight and Government Accountability Committee, we are told they will take steps to hold the FBI Director Christopher Ray in contempt of Congress. What did he do? Well, he refuses to produce a document that allegedly details wrongdoing by Joe Biden. And this is according to that committee chairman, James Comer, said yesterday. The committee initially issued a request for an FD-1023. That's the title of the form that they want to see. And this is back on May 3rd. This document details an interview with one source reportedly includes information about a 5 million-dollar bribery scheme that Biden was allegedly involved in when he was vice president. So the FBI has declined to produce a document saying that doing so could imperil, quote, ongoing investigations, didn't commit, didn't commit that it is part of an ongoing investigation. The verbiage says it could imperil ongoing investigations, being very vague there. So they've stiff-armed the House Oversight Committee. The FBI's decision to do that, stiff-arm Congress and hide this info from the American people, is obstructionist and unaccessible. While I have a call scheduled with FBI Director Ray today to discuss his response further, the committee's been clear in its intent to protect congressional oversight authorities and will now be taking steps to hold Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress for refusing to comply with the lawful subpoena. That's the committee chairman, Comer. Comer sent that. In the May 24th letter threatening that subpoena, Comer alleged the FBI took the interview way back in 2020, on June 30th of 2020, he also said a foreign national paid $5 million bucks in order to receive a desired policy outcome. A whistleblower told Senate Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Charles Grassley's office about the document. It's a non-classified document. Because it's unclassified, there is no justification for the FBI to keep it from Congress. Of course, the reason they would be keeping it is to protect the president. Because if he did do what is alleged by this whistleblower that is proven in this document, allegedly, if he did that, that breaks major laws, bribery laws. Hmm. Republicans don't have subpoena power in the upper chamber since they're in the minority. So this is all falling to the House. The House Oversight Committee conducting a bunch of investigations into the Biden family for influence peddling. 
Chairman Comer alleged in April at least nine Biden family members are involved in international business dealings, and it all happened while Joe Biden was vice president. In a May press conference, the chairman added that the Biden family received more than $10 million through limited liability committees, or excuse me, not committees, corporations formed during Joe Biden's vice presidency. It's going to be interesting to see how this comes out. Now, also, Comer's going to talk to Christopher Ray on the phone today. And so it's going to be interesting to see, because I'm sure Comer will give us that outcome after he has that telephone conversation. Top of the show, I mentioned one of the things that popped up yesterday, late yesterday, that really struck me as egregious. Two pro-life advocates were beaten outside a Planned Parenthood location in Baltimore. And when I say beaten, I mean beaten. Two guys were attacked on Friday morning. The attack happened just before 10.30 in the morning at the clinic along North Howard Street. That's in Baltimore. Two victims are men, ages 73 and 80 years old. LifeSite News first reported the incident the next day, this past weekend on Saturday. Local pro-lifer John Roswell told the outlet through an email that Dick Schaefer and Mark Crosby are the two who were attacked and both seriously injured. They, this LifeSite News website, got photographs of what appear to be facial injuries. Roswell said that Schaefer is recovering at home and Crosby was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. Talking about the extent of these injuries, Roswell wrote that Crosby's plate bone in his upper right cheek is completely fractured. He's bleeding from some unidentified area behind his eye, and the bone eye orbit is completely shattered, will have to be replaced with metal. Now, let me let me just say this. You're talking about those bones and your eye socket. I mean, it's very strong. Your cheekbone and, of course, both of your eye sockets. So whoever did this really was angry and just went after these two elderly men. Dr. Jay Walton, who's the president of Baltimore County Right to Life, started a GoFundMe page for Crosby's medical expenses. He said Crosby was brutally beaten while he was praying in front of the Planned Parenthood in Baltimore City. For years, Mark has prayed in front of that facility to let the scared young abortion-minded women know they are loved and that their baby is loved. By the way, the GoFundMe page is at about $13,000 in donations. $10,000 was the goal. Roswell alleged in the email that the assailant asked a nearby Planned Parenthood escort to hold his drink before he lunged at Schaefer. Nobody on the left wants to talk about this evil. Nobody at the FBI. They haven't gone after a single person for these firebombing of these pro-life centers that have happened across the nation. The violence there and the damage that have been done. Nobody in the federal government's taken any action. Sadly, I doubt if we're going to see anything done in this case either. If it is, it's going to be at the local level, not at the Christopher Ray level. 
There's something very strange going on out there. This gender stuff. I was at a 6 a.m. prayer meeting this morning, and we got to talking about it. How insane this is. How uncertain it makes people because we're all human beings. We're going to question some things that we see and hear and many things that we see and hear and talk about that we heard others talking about. And this gender stuff, it's just blowing the minds of tens of millions of Americans. CNN yesterday spoke with four women. Now listen to this. They married themselves. They married themselves. A self-marriage, and they've got a title for it. Sologamy, which is solo-gamy. Sologamy. You can't make this up. So CNN, very left-leaning news outlet, painted sologamy as pertaining more to mental health and self-love rather than an extension of living an autosexual lifestyle. I have no idea what the heck autosexual means. Being sexually attracted to oneself. I got to be honest with you. I didn't know you could have sex solo. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The concept of self-marriage or sologamy has been around for years, we're told. No data exists on how many celebrate sologamy with ceremonies, but the practice has been explored in a handful of recent news articles. What outlet would waste the inches, the news inches in stories to literally talk about sologamy? It, 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 It's just exhausting to try to keep up with all of this ism stuff. I just can't believe, I mean, it started with racism. You know, that was the, oh my gosh, the R word was just like maybe saying the F word or the SH word, even worse. And now we have to learn and understand and be forced to accept sologamy, which means I'm going to marry myself. I don't like a guy. I don't like a girl. So I'm just going to marry myself and me and I, we're going to be eternally happy because we're with each other. (laughs) Oh my God. This is incredible. I could not resist. I had to bring you that story. I'll bet you nobody listening has ever heard of the term sologamy. Well, now you can talk about it at work or in your social circles. Because Dan at TNN Live told me about it. Spin free, collusion free, obstruction free, fake news free, gluten free. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. 
You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Before we move off of this gender mess, we're going to get into that January 6th stuff where the donations that people have made to help those January 6th folks that were arrested, some of who are still in jail in Washington, haven't been tried yet, and even those that have been tried and are going to remain in jail for a while, raising money for these people. And believe it or not, our administration is going after that Money. Before we get to those details, I wanted you to listen. Talking about diversity, talking about all the gender things, Target, right after Anheuser-Busch became a huge target because of what they did regarding trans and the stuff they put up in their stores. The CEO, the CEO of Target actually double down on what they have done. You're not going to believe this. If you want to see how deep this stuff is, and this is what you have to understand, because you might be watching this, and I think the average person watches this stuff, and they're like, why, why is it? It doesn't make sense. When I've been to these stores, uh, in other Targets and, and other stores like this, there's never anyone buying any of this stuff, right? There's never anyone in those sections. You never see anyone wearing any of this stuff. So the question is, why is it there? And it has much more to do with how these organizations are set up, the diversity, equity, inclusion groups that are in there, ESG, and more than whether they have a desire to make a profit. And that is a problem. This is video of Target CEO Brian Cornell explaining that it is his mission. Now, I thought the mission of a Target CEO would be to sell as much crap as possible so the Target stock price goes up, so the shareholders are happy. You put out a product, you make some money, you go home. But no, his mission is to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. Some of the companies that I've worked with, whether it's Target today or in the past working for PepsiCo, you know, that common thread was recognizing that diverse and inclusive environments deliver great results. And I've always tried to ensure that our leadership team, our organization reflected the consumer we serve. And when you get that equation right, it's the right thing for society. It's the right thing for the team. It's also the right thing for business and shareholders. So I think we all have an oversized role to play right now to advance diversity and inclusion, to stand next to our black leaders who need our support, to make sure 
it's really clear in our industry and in our companies, we're not going to tolerate racism and to work to make the right changes, both internally and then working as a collective group to make changes in our communities and in our country that are going to have a lasting effect. Guys, he's not gonna tolerate racism by hiring people based on race. He's going to literally look at skin color and gender and sexuality and hire people in exact accordance with their demographic. Oh God, it's so terrible. Note he didn't step down. I would imagine that there's a black guy out there who's capable of being the target CEO, and yet you've got this rich white guy, Mr. Cornell. Okay, Cornell's got some cash, but Cornell's going to defeat racism by hiring ex-black lesbians and white trans this and that and the other thing. Again, you know, Pete Bogosian, I, I had him on the show years ago and he was talking about this, that once you let, I don't even know that people were really fully calling it diversity, equity, and inclusion yet. But once you let this woke mind virus into the system, whatever system it's in, it will destroy the system because then you have people like CEOs of companies, again, who, whose only job, his job is to grow Target, to sell product, to make as many people want to buy the most amount of goods possible there, right? And then that's the beauty of capitalism because another big box store could open and then they could go, oh, there's Best Buy is selling TVs cheaper than we are. We better lower our prices. Then competition happens. We get more development. Like that's the beauty of the, of the whole thing. But then when you have this woke mind virus in there, and you're caring more about how many black lesbian uh, greeters you have at the store, uh, you've got a problem because you are now not doing what your main mission is as a CEO of a company. Why do all these big shots feel like they have to weigh in so they can be politically correct and be woke and all that kind of stuff when their number one job is, hey, we are a publicly traded corporation. We need the stores nationwide to do really well financially because we've got stockholders and we pay dividends on stock values and increases every quarter. That's one reason why these people buy our stock. So what do we have to do? We have to sell more stuff. We have to be more profitable. Instead, this guy, this clown, he's talking about diversity, equity, gender, all of those things rolled into one is the important thing for Target. <laughs> and he's the CEO. And as you heard Dave Rubin say, this guy's telling us, I'm going to decide who we're going to hire based on their skin color, their gender affirmation, all of those isms rolled into one. And it is really important, more important than dollars and cents. We need to go uh, woke. We got to go woke. And we're not done with that kind of insanity. You heard the story about the NCAA of all organizations warning black people that if you live in Florida, you're going to be, you're going to be put down just because of your skin color. The NC, NAACP. You know what? I just thought about it when I said that NAACP. I wonder why they haven't changed their name. You know why? That stands for NAACP, National Association for Colored People. Colored People. 
on that note, just something popped into my mind. As you know, a couple of weeks ago, I spent a week in, uh, in Africa, in Zimbabwe, and I learned there that across the continent of Africa, if you, if you see a white person that has been married to a black person, their offspring are light-skinned, they call them colored people. And if you call them something else besides color people, you're racist. You're racist. I remember a time in my life growing up when you referenced somebody that was not white, they were called a colored person. And then, of course, it became racist to say that. But in Africa, that's the anticipated and the expected term to give somebody that's light-skinned that is, uh, have a dad and a mom, one is white, one is black. It's hard to keep up with this crap, isn't it? It really is. Well, I promised you, let's get into what the Department of Justice is doing. This is also kind of a squirrely event that we're talking about. The DOJ is engaging in an initiative, a federal initiative to stop January 6 rioters from getting financial gain because of involvement, their involvement in the attack on the Capitol back in 2021. Prosecutors in over 1,000 of those criminal cases related to the events of January 6th have been increasingly requesting that judges impose fines in addition to prison sentence in order to counteract donations sent by these supporters of these rioters. Prosecutors admit there's nothing wrong with looking for help for attorney fees, but the DOJ has raised concerns about the true destination of the donations. Why? Because many of the individuals facing charges got government-funded legal representation. In other words, if you can't afford an attorney, the government will make sure you have an attorney and will pay for it. Judges have already levied about $350,000 in fines against more than 130 defendants. 130 defendants, $350,000. They've sought fines the prosecutors have ranging from $450 to more than $71,000 from at least 21 defendants so far this year. On top of that, judges have mandated hundreds of convicted rioters pay the government over half a million dollars in restitution for the nearly $3 million in damage to the capital and other expenses related to January 6. So a number of these defendants have established online fundraising campaigns. I mean, that's the way you're supposed to do it nowadays, isn't it? GoFundMe's the number one spot. They're doing it to assist them with their legal expenses. The majority of them use Christian crowdfunding platform GiveSendGo since they are banned from raising money on websites like GoFundMe. I didn't know that. Proud Boy and Texas resident Daniel Goodwin pled guilty to breaching the Capitol in January 2023, according to the DOJ. He went on Tucker Carlson's show in March and advertised a platform where people could donate money to him. The DOJ wants to claw back over $25,000 at Goodwin fundraised through fines. His sentencing will be in June. He received that amount in charity to help him in his debt for legal fees for former attorneys 
And this, for unknown reasons, is bothersome to the government. That's his attorney, Carolyn Stewart, stating in court papers earlier this month. The FBI classified every single January 6th case, every one of them, as a domestic terrorism case. That's according to testimony by former FBI Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle. Although hundreds of them were resolved as petty crimes like trespassing and disorderly conduct. Former President Trump said he would pardon a large portion of the rioters if he's reelected as president. They persecuted these people, he said, adding that they're living in hell right now. We're going to watch that. This is going to raise some real, real nastiness before it's over with. I don't see how the government can step in and make a legitimate claim that these people shouldn't get that money. Do you know what it costs? If you're charged with anything federal, a crime, any kind of federal crime, do you know how much more expensive it is to get an attorney that can practice federal law that's worth their weight? It's like 10 times more expensive than a normal criminal case at a local or state county level. It costs a lot of money. In fact, these people up there, most of them, they're told when they go to or speak to an attorney face-to-face at the beginning of this, looking for representation in a trial like this, you got to put up a hundred grand or the equivalent of it to get these attorneys to even take those cases. Just one more reason why there needs to be a much closer look that's taken at the January 6th events and who was involved in what, who the bad actors really were. And all of this needs to be front and center for the American people, for all of us. It needs to get out of these courtrooms. We, the people, need to see what our government's doing. And it's not good, I can promise you that. So there's some new information out about Lolita Island's former owner, Jeffrey Epstein, actors, influencers, bank executives, and even billionaires are just a few of the people that are found to be associated with pedophile Jeffrey Epstein after serving jail time. At the end of April, a trove, it's called a trove, that means a lot of, of course, a trove of documents have been reported detailing some of the appointments that were held by Epstein. Among them, Joe Biden's CIA director, William Burns, former White House counsel during President Obama's administration, Catherine Rumler, now an attorney for Goldman Sachs. Now, reports from the Daily Mail and the Daily Beast have added the likes of J.P. Morgan executives Jess Staley and old Jamie Dimon, billionaires Richard Branson and Peter Thiel, and even potentially actor and comedian Chris Rock to the people that went down to Lolita Island. The hundreds of pages in the files that have just been released give an unprecedented insight into the late pedophile's extraordinary network of power and influence. People like Bill Gates and Woody Allen, they had previously been linked to Epstein. The schedules that contained private emails and phone numbers talking about the scope of his connections even after serving more than a year of an 18-month sentence as a sex offender. 
One outlet spoke with a source close to Rock, Chris Rock, the actor, who contended that the comedian, though friendly with Woody Allen, had not attended that dinner and may have been confused by Epstein with Chris Tucker. As reported, Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates may have been blackmailed by Epstein after getting knowledge of a relationship between the billionaire and a Russian bridge player, Mia Antonova, while he was still married to Melinda Gates. The implication behind the message, according to people who have viewed it, was that Epstein could reveal the affair if Gates didn't keep an association between the two men. We call that blackmail, don't we? According to the Daily Mail, the efforts to get Gates to invest Epstein's pursuit of Gates appears to have culminated in a dinner at his New York home with Melinda Gates, which is thought to have been the only time she ever met Epstein. Epstein rolled out the red carpet with some of his most important friends. Thorben Joglin, the former Norwegian politician, Norwegian diplomat Terry Larson, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers and his wife, and Eva Dubin, his former girlfriend and her daughter Selena, who treated Epstein like an ump uncle. The note says that Richard Branson may join the dinner. Isn't it interesting? All this stuff just kind of leaks out all of a sudden. I mean, this came out last night. Why now? Epstein was murdered a year ago, a year ago plus, I believe. You would think that all the stuff about him would have come out in the trial, but it's, it's still coming out, and it's implicating more and more people. By the way, very powerful people in many cases, and I think that may be why what's going on is going on. Well, as you know, it's election time. We've got, let's see if we can come up with the names of people that have announced for, let's just talk about the GOP. Donald Trump, who else is out there? Asa Hutchinson, the uh, former governor of Arkansas. Uh, Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina. Ramaswamy. That's four. Ron DeSantis is five. I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. I don't know. There are going to be a bunch more. That's the whole point I'm getting to. There are going to be a bunch more. One of the oddest situations to come up is that one oil executive, an oil tycoon, tycoon, why did I come up with Tycon? I can't even believe I said that. Anyway, this guy is throwing his weight in the election behind Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Listen to his justification for it. All right, let's move on because our next guest is a Republican oil executive now throwing the weight of his wallet behind Ron DeSantis as well. Canary CEO Dan Eberhardt joins us now. Dan, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Let me kick it off this way, because you supported former President Trump in, in 2020. He really revolutionized the energy industry. It's something that this administration has walked back on. More regulation, trying to stifle growth um, in the oil patch. And all of you guys have pulled back because the handwriting has been on the wall. So when I think about the candidates stepping onto the stage, I would say, wouldn't you want to support somebody like Donald Trump, who did so much for energy and even said that would be the first thing he would do once again? Instead, you're choosing to go um, and, and support DeSantis, and I'm just curious why. 
Well, I think Donald Trump got a lot done. But when I look at the field and I and I look at what's possible and I look at what I want for America's future, I think that Ron DeSantis is a is a consistent conservative and a proven winner. And I think he'll be good on energy and good on national security issues. And I think that, you know, once he gets his message out in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, you're going to see these polls flip and DeSantis will, will ultimately uh, win. Dan, you know, the conventional wisdom is a bigger field is going to be good for former President Trump. The field's getting bigger. But I want to know from a donor perspective, you're very confident that over time donors will move to DeSantis. But if this field gets bigger and if it's filled with candidates who are good at fundraising, Tim Scott, for example, very good at fundraising. What are you seeing out there that leads you to believe that ultimately DeSantis becomes the winner take all in the donor battle? Look, I, I flipped the narrative, you know, all, you know, all the, the shows like you guys and others on Fox, you're saying the Trump poll numbers, DeSantis is behind all that. I think for a proto-incumbent, Trump is extremely far behind the fact that he's only able to get 50 or 55 percent. And I think that when you look at the record of the candidates, when you look at Governor DeSantis's proven leadership, consistent conservative nature, and the fact that he had coattails for Republicans, I think that you're going to see conservatives get off the sidelines, coalesce around him as he gets his message out in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, I think you're going to see primary voters rally to his side. Look, where Trump's 55 percent is an ice cube that's about to melt, not a not a source of success. Talk to us about the general election. What is the economic right. message you need to hear? Well, look, what, what I want to hear from Governor DeSantis and how I think he makes up uh, ground in the polls is going to these early states and saying, look, here's what I did in Florida. We've got unemployment uh, of 2.6% when the national average is 3.4%. We've got no state income tax. This is how it's good for economic growth. And we're, we're, for, big, we're for business, small and big. We're, we're staying open during COVID. And we're for pro-growth economic policies. And this is what's going to bring more prosperity to Americans. That's what I want to hear as well as the message that you know, says he recognizes and, and he's going to fight inflation and that he's mm -hmm. going to be strong on national security and energy policy. Dan, if we could come back to just energy specifically, um, and if I may follow sure. up, you know, you explain why you support DeSantis, and I, I completely understand that. Um, do you think that he will be as aggressive with the energy industry as Donald Trump was on day one, you know, executive orders? I mean, he really flipped everything on its head, and that's why we experienced a lot of prosperity in this country, because oil prices came down, um, and producers were pumping, and we were building pipelines and putting the infrastructure in place. I mean, that's your business. Yeah, so, you know, Donald Trump was good for energy. I think Ron DeSantis will be better, and here's why. Governor DeSantis show, has shown that he knows how to get the machinery of government to work faster, better, quicker, for conservative policies and for economic growth in a way that Donald Trump couldn't. Donald Trump is, is good on is good on talking points and on garnering media attention. But in terms of harnessing the machinery of government, Governor DeSantis has proven what he can do in Florida. And I think he will be much more effective at things like uh, uh, permitting reform, at things like the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, at things like, you know, getting people to actually be able to drill baby drill mm. in the U.S. I think that Governor DeSantis will be stronger and faster than what Donald Trump was able to achieve. I think that's a fair point. It's certainly from where Biden is from. I think that's a fair point, and I think a lot of the Donald Trump's critics would say they didn't necessarily like how he did it. It wasn't always effective. Um, so it'll be something that we're going to be watching. Dan, we appreciate your insight today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Listen, those are opinions. I heard them. You heard them. We all have opinions. We all have the right to have our opinions. 
And we don't all necessarily have to agree. In fact, seldom does everybody agree with everybody else about everything regarding candidates and elections, especially presidential elections. But what failed to be discussed in that conversation you just had was who's going to stand up and push back against Ron DeSantis and his claims. After all, that's what they were saying. Trump couldn't do it as quickly as I think DeSantis is going to do it, as effectively as I think DeSantis is going to do it. It's not like Donald Trump moved into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and he got the keys to everything, every door, every person, access to an unfettered uh, manner to be able to just go do everything he wanted to do. There was major pushback by the Democrat Party. In fact, it took a while in Trump's presidency that first year to begin to show people that he could get things done. And the people he needed to show it to first were Republicans. If DeSantis wins, he's going to face the same hurdles as did Trump and every other junior Republican that becomes president. Bush 43 faced it. Bush 41 faced it. Every conservative is going to face the left, especially at that level in government. And just because you think something is okay or is good doesn't just automatically make it okay or good. And it certainly is not going to live in a vacuum, not in the political world, because everybody has got a political perspective And when theirs is opposite of yours, you're going to get diminished, demeaned. You're going to get lied about. They're going to push and push and push. And you're going to go screeching because you can't handle it because they're ignoring the facts, ignoring the truth. That's politics. That's what politics is all about. Hey, we've got something really big. I've warned you. I've been warning you about TikTok, the app. The Chinese app. And every few days, more egregious news and information comes out about what goes along with TikTok. But it gets even worse. And overnight, it got really, really bad. If you have TikTok, the app on your phone or your computer or your children do, don't you go anywhere. You're going to want to hear this new, brand new information. And it ain't good. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. I, George Walker Bush, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President Sorry. of the United States. Let me just get this. Hello. Hey. I was just thinking about you. Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was. No, you were. That I will faithfully execute the office of President. <laughs> so, uh... 
What are you wearing? A president uh, of the United uh, States. <laughs> oh. Say, can I call you back? So help me God. No, so you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. You hang up. So help me God. You hang up. It's President's Day, and everybody's getting in on the special offer from Verizon Wireless. For just $25 per month, get 1,500 anytime minutes, plus free long distance. Verizon Wireless. Join in. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied. The flavor is decadent. The touch, divine. And the drive... Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury. Not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. I have a really close friend whose son works for a very, one of the big national CPA firms in the U.S., and they're the ones that, you know, they have major clients all around the world, and this office handles this group, etc. And this young man has been working for this uh, CPA firm regarding online stuff and has one job and one job only. And what is that? To take on TikTok. Now think about that. Big, big, big one of the big national CPA firms. And for their clients, they have a man that works full-time at keeping TikTok in check. Now, what's this all about? Well, we heard... We heard from this young man months ago that TikTok is actually taking advantage of Americans through the app. Guess what we learned overnight? TikTok has stored thousands of TikTok creators and businesses' financial data, such as social security numbers, tax IDs. It's all being stored in mainland China. Now, this is according to records that were obtained by Forbes, Forbes magazine. TikTok CEO Sho Chu testified in March that TikTok stores American information in Virginia and Singapore. But Forbes obtained data that shows the platform stored it in China. The creators and businesses gave their data to the company to be able to get payment from the platform, and TikTok stored it on Chinese servers that employees can access. TikTok applies different tools and databases from ByteDance 
its Beijing-based parent company, to process these payments to creators and vendors who make money on the TikTok platform. This includes many of TikTok's top creators in the U.S. and Europe. Forrest got internal communications, audio recordings, videos, screenshots, documents that were labeled privileged and confidential and spoke to a bunch of sources familiar with this matter. The American data has always been stored in Virginia and Singapore in the past. That's what the CEO Chu stated in testimony in March. And access of this is on an as-required basis by engineers globally. The CEO said, we remain confident in the accuracy of Xu's testimony. Chinese government has stolen American financial information before including in 2017 when the country's military hacked credit reporting agency Equifax. Bad actors can use social security numbers for identity theft. It could be just bad IT practice. It could be they felt like they had a legitimate business need. That's from former national security lawyer for the White House and CIA, Brian Cunningham. But whatever the nuance of that turns out to be, if you store information in China, you better assume that the intelligence services can have it if they want it. They may not target you, but boy, on the face of it, it's highly questionable. ByteDance, TikTok's parent company, has employees in China that use a moderation system, a moderation system that includes word lists designed to identify or restrict content related to an array of topics like the Chinese government, trade between China and the U.S., the persecuted ethnic minority group Uyghurs, former President Donald Trump, and TikTok competitor YouTube. This is according to company records that Forbes was able to access. Although more than 50 of these lists contain TikTok in their title, the company told Forbes they had never applied them on their platform. ByteDance and TikTok, they don't want to talk about this, so they didn't have anything to say. But now they know it's out there. We talked about it today, and there's a bunch of other people that are talking about it, too. So looking ahead at the 2024 election, the only race we ever seem to think about is presidential election. Every four years, we have one. And the last one was in 2020 when Biden won. The next one's going to be in 2024. But there are other races that are included in all of this. And one of the most important ones is regarding a U.S. senator, an incumbent U.S. senator, a Democrat. This guy is from West Virginia. You know I'm talking about, Senator Joe Manchin. He's a heavyweight in the U.S. Senate, a incumbent Democrat. But right now, today, Joe Manchin is down by over 20 points in a head-to-head matchup with Republican West Virginia governor and declared senatorial candidate Jim Justice. This is from a poll taken yesterday. Though Manchin has yet to declare a re-election campaign, he drew a strong Republican challenger from the West Virginia governor in late April. Senator trailed Justice by 22 points among registered West Virginia voters for this 2024 Senate election. 
Manchin got an approval rating of just 33%, where he held 51% of his own party support, 37% of independents, and only 22% of Republicans. Justice garnered 57% approval rating with Republicans, independents, and Democrats supporting the governor at 70%, 52%, and 39% respectively. So GOP Representative Alex Mooney, who is endorsed by the Economic Conservative Group Club for Growth, is running in the Republican primary against justice. But the governor leads by 41 points. The congressman held a much narrower lead over Manchin in the head-to-head matchup of 41% to 40. A post-justice announcement coefficient poll indicated that the governor would beat Manchin 43 to 29% in the general election, whereas Mooney would lose by six points. The poll suggested Justice would trounce the congressman in the Republican primary by 28 points. Now, I know, I know, polls are little more than people's opinions. There's no doubt about that. That's a fact. But, People's opinions aren't always wrong, are they? Often, they're right, especially when they're based on scientific research, which this poll, as are most polls today, they are scientific and they talk about the margin of error and you can look at where and who they talk to to get these opinions that they publish. It's getting more and more sophisticated and more certain that the results that they get or accurate, or very close to accurate, whichever. Donald Trump, he's been out there campaigning now for months, very aggressively. You would expect nothing but that from him. Well, he came out yesterday with one that really shocked me, but it makes a lot of sense. He's pledged, if he is elected again as president, he pledged to end any birthright citizenship for the children of illegal immigrants. Those are people that the illegal moms and dads or moms or whoever come into the U.S., they're here illegally, but when their baby's born here, that baby is by constitutional provision a U.S. citizen. That opens the door for mom and dad and other relatives to become citizens on a fast track. Trump vowed that on his first day in office, if he's elected, He's going to sign an executive order that the children of illegal immigrants will not be eligible for citizenship. A wave of illegals began at the U.S.-Mexico border soon after Biden assumed the presidency, where federal authorities have recorded more than 5.3 million migrant encounters since January of 2021. And I promise you that's an understatement or an underprojection. It's going to be more than that. Things like this that bring millions of people to our country, they come to our country illegally. My policy will choke off a major incentive for continued illegal immigration, deter more migrants from coming, and encourage many of the aliens that Joe Biden has unlawfully led in the country to go back to their home countries. They must go back. Nobody could afford this. Nobody could do this, and even morally, it's wrong. Trump also seeks to end birth tourism, 
What's that? Birth tourism. That's where pregnant women wait out the end of their pregnancy somewhere on U.S. soil in order to jump the line for green cards and bring other family members to the U.S. Adding, did Trump that he will require at least one parent to be a citizen or lawful resident? Joe Biden has launched an illegal foreign invasion of our country, allowing a record number of aliens to storm across our southern borders. From all over the world, they come, Trump said. Under Biden's current policies, even though these millions of illegal border crossers have been in the country unlawfully, all of their future children are going to become automatic U.S. citizens. Can you believe that? They'll be eligible for welfare, taxpayer-funded health care, the right to vote, chain migration, and countless other government benefits, many of which will also profit the illegal alien parents. You ever wonder where the substance is in anything? Follow the money. Follow the money. Now, there's one high-profile member of the U.S. House of Representatives that has come out vociferously, very, very aggressively against the debt limit deal. She's a Republican, Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina. She came out in opposition to that Fiscal Responsibility Act, which is a compromise proposal between Biden and House Speaker McCarthy to raise our debt limit over a default. Mace, who represents South Carolina's number one first congressional district, she said she couldn't support the deal because the cuts to spending were too low and placed no limits on borrowing. She also talked about provisions termed the fine print, which allegedly contradict aspects of the bill. After factoring in a small cut to discretionary spending over the next two years, we're still talking about $6 trillion more or less in spending of large increases in spending elsewhere. In other words, it's a wash spending-wise, wrote Mace. She added the bill doesn't actually set a debt limit. Rather, it suspends the debt limit entirely until January 2nd of 2025. There is no actual amount capping the debt ceiling. Mace also highlighted a provision of that bill that would allow the director of the offices of management and budget to spend money, money irrespective of PAYGO regulations, which were enacted by Congress in 1990 and require all new federal spending to not add to the national debt. That just, that, that one, that one line wipes out PAYGO. Nancy Mace said. She also lamented the bill does not reduce funding for those 87,000 IRS agent hires, doesn't repeal the Biden-Harris student debt relief program, and raised work requirements for food stamp benefits by four years, from 50 to 54 for beneficiaries. The bill fully funds every spending request by the administration. Republicans got outsmarted by a president who can't find his pants. This is Congresswoman Mace talking. She also criticized the permitting pro, uh, proposal plan for a pipeline championed by Democrat Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia. 
This is just your run-of-the-mill government picking winners and losers in the market and business as usual in Washington, D.C., she said. She also criticized a permitting proposal for a pipeline champion by Democrat Senator Joe Manchin. This is just your run-of-the-mill government picking winners and losers in the market and business as usual in Washington, she said. Just so you know who she is, Mace is the latest House Republican to come out against this bill. Over Memorial Day weekend, several members of the conference reported to be in opposition to the bill. Those include Reps Chip Roy, Ken Buck, Bob Good, Ralph Normal, Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Dan Bishop, and Matt Rosendale. Additionally, the bill is likely going to face opposition from Republican members of the House Rules Committee, which determine how bills may reach the House floor for a vote. Roy and Norman, two members of the committee, reportedly plan to visit again and to demonstrate against it, according to CNBC. See, some of this stuff, you don't even know it's out there. But it is out there, and we're staying on top of it. What else do we have? I want to get in. Man, we're, we're inside a half hour. It's tough to get everything in. Something struck me, really struck me last night when I was doing some research. And it has to do with the NAACP president. And this guy got really mad. I mean, really mad at a host on CNN. And I talked about this a little bit in the last half hour. I want to make sure that we get it in. Here's the head of the NAACP. Black people, like everyone else, are flourishing in Florida. Uh, But don't tell that to the NAACP. You will not believe this one. Take a look at this tweet. I mean, irony is dead. Under the leadership of Governor Ron DeSantis, the state of Florida has become hostile to black Americans and in direct conflict with the democratic ideals that our union was founded upon. That's NAAC president and CEO Derek from uh, NAACP there. I don't even know his last name. Oh, Derek Johnson. Uh, Derek Johnson. So they're telling black people don't move to Florida, don't vacation in Florida. Now, Florida just closed up its biggest year ever in terms of tourism, like breaking every freaking record. Everyone's moving down here. You guys know the numbers, 1,200 people a day. No one cares if you're black or white. Frankly, I think black people, much like white people, like safe cities. They like nice weather. They like clean air. They like nice infrastructure, uh, things of that nature. It's very strange uh, to think that humans actually all want the same things. But these race hucksters are everywhere and they are threatened because the jig is up. When it comes to a guy like Ron DeSantis, he is standing up to all the BS, which is what we've all wanted this entire freaking time. So here is uh, NAACP CEO Derek Johnson uh, on CNN, and he doesn't care what any reality is about Florida. He wants to scare black people. Regarding the national group's notice to certain travelers, we have no comment. However, On the economic diversification front, in just the last few years, Florida has moved into the number one spot in the United States for black-owned businesses and number two for Hispanic and number 
too, for women-owned businesses as well. When you hear those numbers, uh, what they are saying is, look, African-Americans and Hispanics are doing quite well here when it comes to running their own businesses and being able to make money here uh, and being able to live decent lives. How do you how do you address that with this new ban? First of all, that's propaganda language. Over the last several years, it wasn't because of anything he did in policy. Florida, by geography, is an attractive place where people would like to go. Reality is propaganda language. So there are more black businesses in Florida than anywhere. Second for Hispanics, second for women. But that does not matter, man. You got scary Ron DeSantis. We're going to scare the hell out of everybody. It's such abject nonsense. But they're throwing in the kitchen sink. Uh, We saw this right before the show. I thought this was pretty spectacular. Uh, The chairman of the NAACP board of directors, his name is Leon Russell. Guess where he lives? Tampa, Florida. We've got to help that man. Should we start a GoFundMe? We will help to get Leon Russell out of Florida because it's bad for black people. Moronic stupidity never ends. That's Dave Rubin. I like him a lot. Now, let me just qualify, let you know who he is and what he's about. He's originally from California. He obviously has a podcast, very successful show. He is a gay American and he's married. He and his partner have children. Now I'm bringing you that news just by way of informing you that he has some biases as we all do based upon our particular circumstances. Things like sexual preference, uh, political preferences, party affiliation, those kind of things. Ruben in the middle of the egregious treatment of a lot of conservatives. Now, he is very conservative. Out in California, he moved to Florida. And he is one of those guys, one of those people that's in the tank for Ron DeSantis for president. So anytime there is an attack on his state, especially on the very successful governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, Dave Rubin's going to raise up and he's going to object But what he said and his comments in response to what you heard from the NCAA, not NCAA, NAACP president, are spot on. I mean, facts are facts. Black people, more black people own businesses in Florida than any other place in the United States. Now, those kind of things don't just happen, do they? How do they happen? It's because somebody took up an initiative in which they wanted to make that possible and not just possible, but make it probable for those African-Americans to own businesses and be successful doing so in the state of Florida. That's what true governing is about. Now, let me tell you this. I've been asked a bunch of times. I got a text a little bit ago. Are you supporting Donald Trump or are you supporting Ron DeSantis? In honesty, I'm going to tell you just like it is. I'm going to vote for whoever the Republican Party chooses to represent conservatives in the 2024 election, period. If it's Ron DeSantis, I'll support Ron DeSantis. If it's Donald Trump, I'll support Donald Trump. If it's Mr. Ramaswamy, I'll support him. 
I'm a true conservative. I'm not a registered Republican. But on the most part, I vote for the Republicans because most Republicans are conservative, especially on most of these major issues. I'm giving you my opinion because there will come a time in this run-up to the 2024 election where I'm going to disagree with some Republicans and maybe some Republicans that are running for president. That's the way politics rolls. I'm not one of those people that, like my dad, oh my gosh, he was Democrat all the way. Any election that came around, I knew who he was going to vote for. And he broke that when John F. Kennedy ran for president. And you know why he did not vote for Kennedy? Because Kennedy was a Catholic. (laughs) You think about that. Of course, we lived in South Louisiana. Those of you that know anything about Louisiana, South Louisiana especially, it's a very Catholic part of the nation. But we weren't Catholic. Why is it that Americans, in large part, they choose or we choose to weaponize the differences between us and other people, things like religious affiliation. What the heck does that matter in politics? I don't think John F. Kennedy made one decision while he was alive governing as president. I don't think he made one decision that was based strictly on his Catholic faith. But you know what? That's what we Americans do. We have the right to do it, our First Amendment. We can draw our opinions. We can share our opinions, which we do, and do so freely. And that's what Dave Rubin was just doing. And throughout this election cycle, I promise you, he's going to do that more and more. Now, I like his commentary a lot. You will continue to hear him a lot. And some of what he says, some of what he believes, I will bet you, you will not agree with. I'm in that mode with you. Nevertheless, I think we need to look at diverse opinions throughout any election cycle, just simply to understand if for no other reason, understand why people feel differently and think the way they do about especially election time coming around. This may be, if not already is, the most important election of your life and of my life. We need to get our crap together and stay put. Facts and evidence is all you'll see and hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks. Just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. 
It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peak. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select Farmer's branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmer's Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Remember that song, Norman Greenbaum? Norman. I think that's the only song he ever did or the only one that I knew about anyway. I don't want to get away today without talking about a couple of things that I consider very important. And one of them has to do with that lawmaker from Queens in Manhattan. That would be AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is one hacked-off young woman. She's not happy because she's being mocked online by a satirical Twitter account that has over 100,000 followers already. Yesterday, AOC, she tweeted about this viral parody account. She promised to do something about it, threatening. Here's what she said, FYI, there's a fake account on here impersonating me and going viral. The Twitter CEO has engaged it, boosting its visibility, she said. It is releasing false policy statements and gaining spread. I am assessing with my team how to move forward. In the meantime, be careful of what you see, she added. The parody account. And it's titled, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Press Release, Parody, quickly replied to her tweet. Here's what her parody account said. I can't believe someone would do that to us. (laughs) The reply has been viewed over two million times, and afterwards the account continued to mock AOC. FYI, there's a fake account on here impersonating me. It's releasing false information. I'm trying to figure out what I can do about it. So after brainstorming with my staff, she said, I'm going to push Congress to make it illegal to joke, laugh, or make fun of me. Parody should be illegal. That's not her saying that. It's somebody posting on the parody account, faking to be her. FYI, I have no problem with parody accounts, just the ones that make fun of me. The account continued making jokes at AOC's expense and inspiring memes in the process. Examples, FYI, there's a fake account on here impersonating me and going viral. Twitter CEO has engaged it boosting visibility, it's releasing false policy statements and gaining spread. I'm assessing with my team how to move forward. In the meantime, be careful of what you see. This is from a user who tweeted that poking fun at her. I'm having my staff report every single tweet that makes fun of me to the Department of Justice. (laughs) 
AOC is frequently mocked by this parody account for supporting stringent environmental Green New Deal regulations, sharp increases in taxes and government spending, transgender procedures for kids, and lax immigration enforcement. I just couldn't not tell you about that one today. There's another one, another big one that's out there, the ACLU. That's the American Civil Liberties Union. They filed a lawsuit yesterday against Nebraska, the state of Nebraska, for its laws banning abortion at 12 weeks and sex change surgeries for minors. So the Republican governor, Jim Pillen, signed the Let Them Grow Act and the Preborn Child Protection Act into law last week. The ACLU filed a lawsuit yesterday in a state trial court and did so on behalf of Planned Parenthood of the Heartland and abortion provider Dr. Sarah Traxler alleging the law violates a provision of the state constitution that states no bill shall contain more than one subject, not because of anything in the bill, but because it's violating the state constitution, a law that states no bill shall contain more than one subject. Does that sound like kind of grasping at straws? The lawsuit asked the court to declare the law unconstitutional, void it in its entirety. Wow. And by the way, I, I, I just thought, I'm not sure, but I just thought the Supreme Court made it very, very clear the state is where abortion laws and abortion legislation must be handled. That sounds to me kind of like what they're doing up there in Nebraska. What about you? You want to hear something really egregious happening in the Biden administration? The State Department, it's reported this morning, is considering imposing sanctions on the nation of Uganda. What about? Why? Over recently signed legislation in Uganda making homosexual marriages punishable by 20 years of imprisonment and imposing the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality. Uganda President Yaweri Museveni signed this legislation Monday, considered to be some of the harshest laws against homosexuality in the world, making same-sex marriages punishable by up to 20 years in prison and permitting the death penalty for what's called aggravated homosexuality, which is defined as homosexual acts with children, disabled individuals, or others under duress. Now, this is all according to CBS News, so we know it's gospel. CBS News, ho, 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 they never misreport a story, do they? So in response, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he put out a statement Monday warning that the U.S. is considering visa restrictions as well as other sanctions to prevent Uganda from implementing laws that undermine human rights. In the context of the serious concerns conveyed by President Biden, I'm announcing today that the Department of State will develop mechanisms to support the rights of LGBTQI plus individuals in Uganda and to promote accountability for Ugandan officials and other individuals responsible for or complicit in abusing their human rights. This is Blinken, Secretary of State, writing. 
I've also directed the department to update our travel guidance to American citizens and to U.S. businesses, as well as to consider deploying its existing visa restrictions tools against Ugandan officials and other individuals for abuse of universal human rights, including the human rights of LGBTQI plus persons. Blinken said the U.S. is deeply troubled by Uganda's passage of this Anti-Homosexuality Act, a law that undermines the human rights, the prosperity, and the welfare of all Ugandans. He further argued that the country's decision would damage Uganda's reputation for tourism, refugees, and further development, according to his statement. Joe Biden also released a statement on Monday, shortly after the law was signed, calling the legislation a tragic violation of universal human rights. Uganda's law also would make the transmission of HIV-AIDS punishable by death. Biden also said in a statement that the U.S. National Security Council is evaluating how to continue safely deliver services to the country through the U.S. President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief. Now, what is this all about? Let me just give you my opinion. As we finish up the day today, let me just tell you, Anthony Blinken, Joe Biden, you have no right to interject your personal feelings into the structure, the legal structure of another country, a free country, by the way. You have no say-so. Who in the world do you think you are? Who gave you the right to even say these things about a sovereign nation, Uganda? This illustrates to me just why many people around the world, and the numbers are growing exponentially, that despise the United States of America because our leaders think they're better they're more important, they're more endowed and have more rights than do the leaders of other countries, kind of like Uganda, sovereign nation, where they, their government, pass these laws. And anti-Blinken and Joe Biden think they can just ignore the sovereign nation and what they want to do? The leaders of Uganda are elected, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Hey, listen, that's a wrap on the show today. We hit the road live from Atlanta tomorrow and Friday. It's going to be a good trip. Going to Blade Show there, the biggest knife show in the world. One time a year it happens there. But we'll be live with you both days, 9 to 11 a.m. Don't miss a day. And you have a great, great Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here at 9 o'clock at TNN Live. Wish I knew what was going wrong Seems so very long Since we left together It's no good to be all alone When you put a friend And you both feel empty
was afraid that our love may fade, and we just won't make it. Maybe soon we'll be friends again. Find ourselves and then real. 